Hi, you're listening to Modern Animism Radio. We talk about how to bring animism into your day-to-day life. I'm your host, Laura Giles. Thank you all for tuning in. In pagan and animist societies, we often talk about the great goddess and earth mother and matriarchy, but healthy masculinity doesn't get the same attention. It's all about toxic warrior archetypes and fatherlessness. And of course, we need healthy masculinity and feminine energies to be whole. Our guest today, Dr. Susan Schwartz, is a Jungian analyst who specializes in looking at the impact of absent fathers and the father wound. I can't wait to hear what she has to offer. But first, let's give gratitude. Acknowledge and thank the element of earth for the earth itself. Spent a lot of time digging in the dirt recently, and it's such a satisfying feeling to know that there's earth beneath our feet, giving us a home and providing us with food. I acknowledge and thank the element of air and ask that you help us to communicate clearly, especially here with Mercury in retrograde, to hear with detachment, inspire, and be inspired by everyone we connect with. I acknowledge and thank the element of fire for power and responsibility. I was recently in forest fire country and the danger of fire was all around. So no bonfires for this equinox. So I appreciate both the power of fire and the responsibility to wield it safely. Acknowledge the element of water and thank you for helping us to go deep into our hidden places and purify what we find there. Acknowledge and thank our loving, helping ancestors from the human, plant, animal, and mineral kingdoms. And I thank you all for the help that we receive that is seen and unseen. As always, I send gratitude to our listeners. If any of our content inspires you, please consider giving us a review or donating at patreon.com forward slash pan society. Please also reach out with your comments. They let us know what resonates or doesn't resonate with you. And if you want to join the conversation, you can always join us on our private Facebook group as well as to be part of the discussion. All right. So our guest today is Dr. Susan Schwartz. She is the author of The Absent Father Effect on Daughters, as well as two other books. She lectures worldwide on Jungian psychology and is in private practice in Arizona. Welcome, Dr. Schwartz. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, sure. Can you tell us what got you interested in studying fatherhood? Well, actually, the interest is in studying the absence of the presence of the father, And what Mm -hmm. got me interested in it is that I see many women in my practice, and I would say of all ages, not just ones that come to me for analysis or therapy, but also friends, colleagues. And oftentimes when you ask about the father, there might be silence, there might be difficult stories, there oftentimes... Things are gone unsaid. So it seemed to me like it was an area that was unexplored. And I would also say that Jung himself, and and I realized this as I was studying years ago, Jung himself wrote one essay on the influence of the father in the family, and he had four daughters. So it seemed like a space that wanted to be explored and more fully understood. Yeah, I see that um, in spirituality, too. We always talk about the mother, but there really isn't a whole lot on the father. And I've even tried to tease that out of people, of men, to talk about it. And it's not really been all that satisfying a conversation as of yet. 
So is, do you find that there's something different between or a different dynamic between father and son and father and daughter? You know, I think there probably is a difference because of our the way we are raised culturally. And each culture has got different requirements for the father and son, the father and daughter. So I think there's differences. I think what the similarity is, is that for generations, the father has not been there. He didn't have to. Nobody expected him to be home. If he was out making money, that was sufficient. And he didn't know how to be present emotionally because his father probably wasn't present either. And you can look back in almost every single profession. I can look into analysis, different analysts, Freud, Jung, on and on. They didn't have very good fathers. The fathers were not present. They didn't like them. They didn't respect them. So what we have is a lacunae of space that has not been developed and has not been explored. The difference between fathers and sons and fathers and daughters, I think depends on each era. Hopefully there is a broadening of ways of being, but I think the old stereotypes are still holding. And part of that is the father doesn't really have to be there. The amount of fathers that are taking care of their children probably is not very many. It's getting more. It's getting more, but not very many. I also must say I heard your um, uh, commentary at the very beginning, and I thought in my own mind, where is the father? Or we could say, where is the present father on our earth, in our world, in the environment? We could go on and on. So how does the missing father impact the family? Well, you know, in many ways that are overt and many ways that are subtle. So I'm going to focus on the daughter because that's what I've um, looked at. Many of the issues will apply to sons and they will be able to identify with that. So it would affect a daughter in body, mind, and soul. Her confidence, her sense of ability to look at herself, her feeling of her body, her expression intellectually, her confidence in relationship, her ability to develop a smooth life. I don't mean that life is not without bumps, but that she can negotiate the bumps with confidence. And that also... She has the ability to look inside of herself and figure out what's going on emotionally. If you don't have a father, there is a, and I mean by absent father, I mean one who might be physically absent, but also one who might supposedly be there, but is emotionally absent, or might be abusive, or might be emotionally emotionally abusive, physically abusive, in many different ways, his absence of good emotion is lacking. And even tiny children notice it. And they know that 
something is wrong. And so one grows up wondering, what's the matter with me that I don't have a loving father? It's kind of a natural thing that we're kind of born with. Also, in biologically, we're born from egg and sperm. So we kind of need father figures, you could say. And we just can sense it. We sense the lack if we don't have it. So how I'm interpreting what you're saying, and maybe this is a projection or just something that's you know a mirror for me, is that the masculine energy is absent or not well-developed or not healthy. I, I think you're right. When you said it might be a projection, well, you know, projections have all kinds of truth in them. So it, it is really a question of the how the masculine is coming across. Um, and I don't mean stereotypically, but I mean, mean masculine energy. How it is present, how it is being used in a healthy way, how it does not become self-destructive against the daughter, like um, difficult words that she says to herself, as in, I'm not good enough, I haven't done it right, it isn't this, it isn't that, internal harangues that occur when the masculine does not provide good support. I don't mean support like taking over or leading everything or being the only one who guides or protects. But I mean the kind of energy that supports the growth of the daughter and the individuality of the daughter. I think so many men don't know how to use that the good masculine energy that they could have. One, because they weren't taught it. Our culture still has lagged behind in giving room for men to have solid masculinity, which is beyond, sorry, I just want to add, which is, you know, like going beyond sports. It's not just in sports. And how would you define a healthy masculinity? It's a good question. You know, I'm trying to, because I think we need to keep on pondering it and keep on allowing it to evolve. Classically, the masculine has been the protector or the guide or the support, the pillar. I think all of those are good energy. I would add on to it the one who knows how to correctly love, the one who knows how to nourish, the masculine energy that knows how to promote emotion, the use of oneself in a healthy way, the development of a solid ego or sense of I, and the courage to develop outside of the envelope. So I think these are, you know, they're kind of general terms, but I think that they're part of good masculine and good father energy. I also think, you know, they apply to the feminine as well. But the male is going to come at it differently, again, because we're raised differently, and we're different. 
And what is the difference between father energy and masculine energy? Oh, well, you know, you know, I'm a little stumped there. I'm not exactly sure. I think that the, so I'm going to just extrapolate a bit. I think that the father energy is one that evolves from the masculine and uses his strength not as a tyrant and not as the one that knows everything, but as the one who has knowledge and wisdom and knows how to share it with his daughter and knows how to encourage her to find her intelligence, her wisdom, her way of being, which is going to be different because she's of a different generation. She's of a different sex, gender. She's of a different era, you could say. And even that difference, he would be a good father, would be one who knows is not threatened by the strength of the daughter, but knows how to encourage it. And do you have an example of a story or a myth or um, something popular that maybe lots of us know that can give an example of either the healthy father or the unhealthy father? Well, the healthy one, I have to think of because I'm a little slanted on the other side. Um, let me, oh, let me, here's an example. The healthy father is the one who, and this we don't hear too much. Many of the women that I see when they have a baby, they ask the partner to help. It isn't a matter of helping. It's a matter of partnering. It's a matter of knowing instinctually the baby needs this, the baby needs that. It's not the mother that's running the whole show. It is the father who is emotionally so present that he knows what the child needs. To me, that's a good father. And that's not just at the beginning. That's all the way through. That even if the daughter takes a path that is different from the father, or she's stronger than him, or smarter, or she gets a job with more money, he would be happy for her. He encourages her. He wants her to keep going. The bad father is the one actually who is the exact opposite. He oftentimes is tyrannical, emotionally abusive. He puts her down. He tells her her skirt is too short. She looks too sexy because he can't manage his own feelings. He has perhaps taken advantage of her actually physically and abused her. And he has put her down in many ways and made her live a smaller life to me, that's the bad father. He creates no end of distress inside of her, and her confidence mm -hmm. is lower. And so that's that's the bad one. Mm -hmm. And I think this, um, well, everything you know is is reinforced through the culture, and in movies, fairy tales, videos, novels. Um, we often see the father being absent, neglectful, violent, 
Um, why do you think that that shows up that way in media? Well, you know, it's interesting what you said, because you linked them all together, the myth, the fairy tale, the movies. And if you read the fairy tales, so if you take Grimm's fairy tales are more popular in the West, but all the fairy tales, the father is there about the first two sentences, and then he's gone. And oftentimes also, fathers do not come out very well in fairy tales. The daughter usually has to leave, go to another land, and it is not that she finds the prince or king or whatever and gets married. It is that she finds herself in along the way and, reu- and unites with herself. And it is because she has left the bad father. There are hardly any good father fairy tales, and they're usually not around through the whole thing. In movies, I, you know, I really think that there are probably more movies now that show a more attentive father, a more emotional father, a better father, uh, a wiser father. But I think it's an emerging market, you could say. And why? Because it does reflect our culture. It also represents a transgenerational heritage that we all are a part of. So through the generations, a certain line has always been there. That's why I said going back and back and back, how do fathers learn to be fathers when they don't have fathers? How do, how do people learn to expect a present father when he hasn't been a parent in the culture, in the religion, in the, on the neighborhood, in the block? And also in many, in much literature, in many movies. So I think it's reflecting our era and what we have inherited as well. Is there, so talked about movies. Um, to me, dreams are really important. And, yes. and um, since we're blind to our own stuff, there's, I look to dreams to kind of clue me into to what it is I'm not seeing. Do you see in your practice uh, evidence of the father relationship in dreams? Yes, actually. How about if I read you one and it would really, do you mind? Oh, no, that'd be awesome. Okay. And, and this, this is, this says it all really about the absent father emotionally. And, and really a negative one. So here, here's a dream. And this was from an actual person. Mm-hmm. Okay. The father is like Hitler. He had three daughters and one was suicidal. She is under his thumb. Myself and another sister cry. And she will kill herself. And he does not care. She is a poet. He trashes her work. She ate glass. He will not change. It's very stark. And I say that, and I say this dream, and I make a point of this dream, because when you look at an extreme, it it clarifies things, because it's so much on an edge. But it also, so the dream, if I was working with someone, I would say, what are we going to make of this dream? Is this 
your father? Is it also the father images that you're carrying inside? Where did you learn about it? What happened? What's And what is your reaction to the dream? You know, I've had some people with horrifying dreams. They have no emotional reaction because hmm. because the reaction was taken away early by a ty- tyrannical father, by one who was harsh and mean. In addition to this dream, the poet of the 20th century, Sylvia Plath, one of her poems that was most important or most significant or that people look at even now was called Daddy. And mm-hmm. she, at the end of the poem is, you bastard, I'm through. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yeah, and and I mention it because it's it still applies. So once again, we've got this father who didn't know how to father, or didn't know how to be kind or generous, and so it will appear in the dreams, and it appears in how somebody addresses themselves and treats themselves. And of course, the Sylvia Plath is also an extreme. Because you know she killed herself at the age of thirty. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's just because of her father, but certainly parents have an effect. So there mm-hmm. was an effect there. So what what would you say for um, daddy's girls? Is that uh, positive or is that um, a, a negative in disguise? Or what would you say about that? Oh, good point. Um, you know there is a term in Jungian psychology called Puella. And it means that she's she she remains a young girl. And why does she, who grows up to however old, always remain young? Daddy's girl. And in fact, again, I've seen quite a few women accomplished, etc., and they're daddy's girls. It means that they have not been able to separate from the father because they never got to be close enough. So you have to have enough attachment in order to leave. They also did not learn how to access the core of themselves. So they stayed daddy's girls, kind of attached to him to whom they didn't really have enough attachment. It's kind of a tricky thing psychologically that if you attach in your mind and you stay young, you're always there for daddy. They become women who actually know how to read the other one very well, they don't read themselves so well. They oftentimes look very young. Nothing wrong with looking young. It's fine. But they treat themselves as if they are kind of helpless. And they will oftentimes say, my father was there when I was a little girl, and it was great. And they have this kind of, aura of happiness about it but then of course with the daddy's girl and many other women when they turned teen, when they got to puberty the father couldn't deal with it so he pushed them away and they never understood why again that set up this question of should I really grow up you see it with anorexia in a certain way or you might see it with cutting that there's something that is desiring to stay back maybe to, uh, to an idealized time 
that wasn't really ideal. So the daddy's girl is like stunted in her emotional growth and she doesn't really know it until she starts to maybe recall her dreams, journal, look inside of herself, go into some kind of inner work, read, uh, explore. And then she's starting to move out of the tie with the daddy. And what is the father betrayal? He doesn't know how to support her in her individuality. I, I'm saying that in a rather general way, but it is general. It's like over her life, she will, he betrays her because he does not support her. He doesn't know how to say, you know, you're different than I am, but I love you, or I love this about you, or I would support you on this. It's not really about, you know, giving money. It's much more about giving the connection, giving the confidence, giving the, the way of being, which is perhaps different than the father, but that's all right. The betrayal is so difficult, but it is also, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the ways that we separate. We have to have a certain amount of betrayal in order to grow up, separate, find our own stance. The betrayal of him is that the father doesn't know how to support the daughter in that. And she then is betrayed by the one she should trust. How about mothers? Because we haven't talked about that yet. So what about mothers who rear boys who grow up to be absent or not fabulous fathers? Do they have a role in the father wound? Well, you know they do. Um, we Actually, we all have a role. But yes, the mother does. We could say it's kind of tricky psychologically. But how the mother views the father in her mind, whether he's present or not, the child is going to pick up. So how she relates to the father or how she related to her father will have an effect on the children. And it will also have an effect on the sons. Will she be able to support their independence, their ability, quite like with daughters, the independence, the ability to find your own way, to be your individual self. So what she's carrying in her mind about the masculine or how she uses the masculine or the father or, again, transgenerationally, what happened to her father and her father's father and so on, will transfer onto the children. Again, I think from the wounds, and this is what I write about, from the wounds is the possibility to be healed. So the point is, we are all wounded, but how are we going to heal? There's one other thing I just wanted to add in relation to that, which is that the mother, if the mother is raising sons, she's it's already difficult to be a single parent. I would say if you're a single father, the same thing is true. It's difficult. So you're always, there are going to be areas that you can't fill. But the more conscious the mother is of what she's carrying and her view of the masculine, her view of the feminine, how much she's able to 
give free reign with um, with also guidance to her son the the more the son is going to be able to also express his emotions he might be able to be a better father if she supports his relatedness his being there his presence it's like we all have you know there's that um i don't remember the word but there's a japanese um art where the the cracked china is mm-hmm. put together with gold and so it makes so you have a plate and you fill in all the cla- cracks with gold it becomes actually more beautiful it's quite a a refined art in Japan or wherever it's done. And I think that our personality is like that. So where we have absence, can we fill it with gold? Can we learn how to fill it with gold? And part of my example is, do we honor the symbols that come in our life through dreams, through relationship? Do we learn to honor them? So I'm going to circle back to what you had said about the mothers and the sons. If the mothers encourage the sons to be relational, to listen to their dreams, symbols, the synchronicities of life, to support them to develop good relationally in the world, then there's going to be a change as the generations go on. And the cracked plate will be filled in with a lot of gold. And is there ever a time when the father role becomes unimportant or less important to the child? So in other words, do we ever grow out of the need for the father? So what I think I heard you say in the daddy's girl example is basically the betrayal happens and that's an opportunity for um, individuation. Yes. And if that happens successfully, then not that we ever not need a father, but the the roles kind of shift. Did I understand that correctly? Yes, absolutely. In other words, the roles shift and there gets to be more of a sharing between because the father will be able to recognize his betrayals. It's probably not just one, his betrayals. He'll be able to talk with his daughter about how he felt, why he did, why he did not. And she will be able to talk with him, and their relationship will be fuller and richer. The daddy's girl, if she could do that, would be able to grow. And her growth would mean that she would develop her career, her family life, her relationships. Everything would get expanded. Do we ever do we ever not need a father? I'm really not I don't think so. I think our our world is so hooked into a certain way of being. That's why I said father figure. We need somebody there. Mm-hmm. Somebody's there who will help us grow and develop and who we know are on our side. It it otherwise it's like walking around kind of um, tilted, and you can feel it inside. I do think, though, that the wounds can be healed. I think that we carry the cracks 
but they can also be healed. Mm-hmm. And what if you have a problematic relationship with your father? He's absent. He's dead. There's no relationship. There's no contact. Any suggestions on how to heal that? Well, you know, it is interesting because a lot of people who have that exact situation, over time, the father appears in dreams or maybe in a, mm. or maybe in an active imagination or the father characteristics might appear in a partner and or they appear in oneself. And sometimes when the so it, their appearance allows you to become familiar with what was wrong figure it out and the the father figure the father that appears in the dreams oftentimes not always but oftentimes he's changed there are times when he remains exactly like the dream that i read so the people for years and years and years in fact their whole life still have got a father like that it just it just is. The question is not to take it away because you can't. How are you going to cope with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you how do you cope with it? So you don't. It doesn't become something that's going to squash your personality, but a place where the personality can grow. So I think that the um, the bad relationships or there's no possibility of making it different mean also that you can make your life different, perhaps. I think it takes work. I think it takes work, but I think it's possible. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for joining us for this edition of Modern Animism Radio. Dr. Schwartz, can you tell us where to find your books? Yeah, yes. You can find them on Rootledge or on Amazon, Karnak, and on my website, www.susanschwartzphd.com. Awesome. That's easy enough. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please share this if you know someone who needs to hear it. And if you'd like to support our work here at Pan Society, go to patreon.com forward slash Pan Society and become an insider. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so that you'll be notified when the next podcast posts. I'm Laura Giles. See you next week. 